What up, podcast world? It is Tom Runger coming at you for our next episode of Varsity Views. Varsity Views, the podcast where we take an overly detailed and unnecessarily critical deep dive into some of your favorite classic sports films. Last time we shattered records, we're already above 20 views and listens on our podcast. And for this next episode, we hope to reach the 30s. So, Mikey, I'm going to need you to put on your Hanes, lace up your Nikes. We'll grab a Big Mac on the way to the game because we are discussing Space Jam. Ready? Yeah! Done. Yeah. You kick it in here. You go to the hole and dominate. We own defense. Oh, yeah. Whoa, I don't play defense. Warner Brothers presents Jordan. Funny. Special delivery. Together, they just might save the world. Space Jam. You've never seen anything like it. All right, as I said, my name is Tom. I'm here with my co-host, Mike Gassett. Mike, how are you doing today? Hey, I'm doing pretty good, Tommy. All right. We are discussing one of the greatest animated, semi-animated, semi-not-animated basketball films of all time, Space Jam. Uh, Easily a top three. <laughs> yeah. As far as partially animated sports basketball films go, we're right up there. Um, That's Give us a give us your quick uh, you know two sentence plot synopsis. Let, let's for for those who haven't seen Space Jam, try to explain what's going on here. Well, uh, you know, pretty classic tale, a story we've seen a thousand times. Uh, small cartoon aliens coming to, uh, down to Earth uh, try to kidnap the Looney Tunes in order to force them to basically build up attractions in their amusement park. Uh, the Looney Tunes, as a way to get out of this, challenge them to a game of basketball. Uh, to play for their freedom, and the aliens, of course, then go and steal the talent from some of the NBA's top players, and also Sean Bradley. Uh, then uh, the Looney Tunes is a way to combat this. They uh, they got to get Michael Jordan out of retirement, get him off the baseball diamond, and uh, for one more game to basically try to win their freedom back. Yeah, tale as old as time, as you said. Uh, yeah, that old fucking dance. <laughs> Space Jam was released in 1996. Uh, it grossed just over 90 million in the USA and 250 million worldwide. Uh, I believe we had a note that it was the top-grossing sports film ever when when it was released. Or I don't know if that still holds true. Is what, what's your research telling you on that? Yeah, we get into a few of, uh, more of the kind of fun facts a little bit later on. But, yeah, I think this is the highest-grossing basketball film of all time. And, gotcha. Um, which topped the previous champion of, I know one of your favorites, of White Man Can't Jump. <laughs> oh, man. That's, uh, yeah. Yeah, that is one of my favorites. Uh, actual varsity views in the future. Because oh, okay. uh, there's a lot of things I think we can talk about some of those basketball scenes. Yeah, 100%. There will be a white man can't jump in the future. There's a lot to go into with that film. Um, but let's stay in the present. We're going to get into some categories as we normally do, but as we were sort of re-watching this film and, and discussing it, there's a lot to just go into uh, beforehand. You know, the, the, the movie's basically broken down into sort of like the lead-up to quote-unquote the big game and then the big game itself. Uh, so like, let's hit on, we're going to, we're going to just hit on some points from the opening scenes of the film or, or the first half of the film, if you will. Um, but before we do that, even rewatching this movie, what, like I've, I've seen this movie probably 20, 25 times. Uh, I'm sure you've seen a bunch. Your most recent rewatch here, what, what were some of the main takeaways or things that struck you off the bat? Well, I actually forgot how funny this movie is to watch like as an adult um i think I mean, we'll, we'll get into it for my favorite you know favorite scenes but the the entire golf sequence is hilarious i think bill murray is just you know pitching 100 the entire time he's in this game um it, yeah it's just it's really actually a pretty funny movie yeah i will say uh there was a lot of things that were disappointed with this film but like I think one of my favorite things rewatching it is exactly what you said. Like 
this movie has so many funny little one-liners and like as i was chuckling at them i don't know if that says more about my like immaturity uh comedically or if it actually is funny but like a, a lot of these um jokes and stuff probably like i don't think kids would really understand them they kind of there's some like uh kind of more sophisticated humor in there or like sort of like peeking behind the blinds of like how hollywood operates like some of these you know, how'd you get here? Oh, I'm just a friend of the producer and like all these different things. Um, so I really enjoyed that. There were a lot of little like clever nods and, and as I said, funny one-liners in this movie. Yeah. It actually went pretty meta a few times as well. Just <laughs> yeah. like, you know, blatantly taking shots at like overt product placement and things like that. You know, at one point they literally, Sappy Duck, like literally just holds his ass up and there's just like a Warner Brothers thing. He's like, oh, like, by the way, this is like copyrighted product placement of like Warner Bros. And like, you know, and it's just like uh, very, you know, just like I said, almost like meta in some of the scale of some of the things they talk about. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, I think we, we, we both discussed this a little bit right off the bat. Like there was a lot of scenes in this movie or a lot of parts of this movie that don't really work. I think we agreed one of the parts that did work was was like the opening scene is pretty cool. Like the opening scene hooks me in like. Like the whole thing, like shooting outside on kind of like the old school peach basket hoop with just like a single light. And then the dad comes out like that whole scene and then transitioning into the MJ highlights and stuff. That does it for me. That works for me. How about, how about yourself? Yeah, I mean, normally when we do this, we, we kind of talk about the good, believable kind of scenes for that are shot for like sporting um, wise. For this movie, obviously, we're going to have a lot more to talk about on this stuff that's a little more unrealistic in the sports world. So the, the only thing I had really written down for this for good, realistic moments in sports was, yeah, the little kid shooting hoops in the front. You know, I, I think we've all probably been there shooting hoops with our dad. And then, um, yeah, the opening montage of actual MJ clips to obviously just an unbelievable song of the, the slam jam, I believe it's called. <laughs> That, that was one of the other takeaways I, I had watching this film was uh, I, it gave me flashbacks. Like, I felt like I was listening to, like, the Jock Jams uh, CD, which, like, at first I kind of, like, thought that jokingly. But then I was like, wait, is the soundtrack just Jock Jams? Like, like I think, <laughs> like, half the songs in this movie just, I'm pretty sure, are from Jock Jams. I don't know. But it was, like, cool. I think, they, I, think I saw that this, uh, the, like album for this or like the the soundtrack went like quadruple platinum <laughs> like actually like really high up there and like top like movie soundtracks of all time well i mean obviously this maybe not been been age too well with with our man r kelly but i mean i believe i can fly uh was that a song before this movie or did it essentially come out like with the movie because if so i mean that was a monster hit i mean it's a great song a monster hit, you could say, I guess. <laughs> but, um, um, yeah, I don't know. Actually, that's a great question. I feel like maybe it was for the movie. Um, I choose to believe it was for the movie. Yeah, yeah, and it's, it's a great song. I mean, you know, it's we'll separate the art from the artist in this scenario, but that song is is a, is a nice little jam. Um, let's talk a little bit again. We'll get into some categories, but like before we do that, let, let's talk a little bit about. I want to say the overall premise of this film or, you know, so it starts out, MJ's just retired from basketball. That's all well and good. And then it pretty much instantly throws us into space where, uh, you know, we're taken to a alien amusement park that's for some reason struggling to uh, entice customers. And uh, they... I'm going to also say, I'm going to stop you for a second. That's yeah. uh, a little unfair. Uh, like literally this kid's riding a ride where he's getting shot lasers at him, which then launches him off of a roller coaster pretty much in, in what should have been like a fatal accident. And he gets out and he's bored. Like what more does, like what does this little shit want? Like yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. He's like, oh, don't bring me anymore. Ready? <laughs> yeah. like, like probably one of the best deliveries of all time. But like, what, what does this kid want? Like, uh, kid's a sociopath. He's like, you know, <laughs> Uh, I, I got a couple these, questions of what's going on over at Moron Mountain. Maybe that was a maybe that was a commentary on how kids these days are becoming desensitized to violence. I don't know, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it's it's a pretty okay. Again, we're like it's almost impossible to go more than five minutes in this film without just completely <laughs> leaving the realms of any sort of reality. Uh, 
as again it's a cartoon fictional world partially um but they essentially come up with this idea like i think they accidentally sit on a remote or something happens and suddenly the these aliens get the idea like the looney tunes are going to be the saving grace of this amusement park uh Send down a ship. Yeah, someone tells me that little kid's not a, not a big Looney Tunes watcher. Yeah, yeah, I don't know what the Looney Tunes are going to do with... Yeah, exactly. But, like, okay, so they send down this ship. They've got these tiny aliens, uh, essentially, to capture the Looney Tunes. And then the whole, you know, the, the whole setup for this plot is, like, okay, they have to win this basketball game. But, like, there's some issues with the need for the basketball game, right? Like, okay, the the aliens clearly have these blaster weapons to kill them, but... Like, why are the Looney Tunes like, oh, let's let's like try to get a basketball game to to save us? You know what I mean? Like, there's issues here. What are Which you- is then followed by, uh, I mean, yeah, I, I I kind of had had thought about that as well. Like, literally, the way they get out of this is Bugs just writes down in like a book that he crosses out the title and writes rule book that you have to give us a chance to defend ourselves. Like, why couldn't you just write, wrote down uh, like you cannot enslave our entire people. Like this is not allowed. Then they're like, okay, sounds good later. Um, so that, that was my one take on the legitimacy of this plot. Um, <laughs> but then I also love how they go, uh, they choose basketball and like at their first practice, Bugs just goes, uh, so have any of you jokers ever played basketball before? I'm like, Bugs, you're literally playing for the uh, freedom of your people. Like maybe pick like something that you like have heard of before. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it- I mean, okay, I get it. Like, it sets up the plot of the film, but like, there's a lot of holes in that. Yeah, like if we're if we're getting down to brass tacks, like, sure, hypothetically, they could have beat them in basketball when they were little, like, six inch midget alien things. But you know, a foot race would have equally sufficed, if not better. Uh, I don't know, like a wrestling match. Like, I don't know. Like, what are we doing here? It, they also know nothing about these aliens. Like, for all they know, is like these things are just like unbelievable basketball players. You know, just because they're short, maybe they had a great outside shot. You yeah. don't know. Yeah. Um, but whatever. I mean, it's a know. risky play on Bugs' part, you know? Yeah, it's, it, it is it a risky out. play. Um, Far from, be it from us to poke holes in this plot. <laughs> Fair. Um, from there, the, the Monstars make the incredible play to, uh, again, steal the talent from NBA players, um, which. You know, I won't say it makes sense, but I'll say it makes sense within the realm of this plot. Um, obviously, I think we both have a similar beef with this. Uh, like, Sean Bradley, what, what's happening here? Uh, like, I, I, you know, I kind of came into my own as an NBA fan during the 90s. Uh, like, Sean Bradley could not have been one of the top 100 players in the NBA at the time that this was filmed. So I don't know. Do they need like you, you a got a question? Did like a lot of people just like not like like not agree to do it? Like does Bradley just have like an unbelievable manager who's like, John, I've got something for you, baby. You're going to be big after this. Like, like I, I would like to know the background of like, you know, how this was pitched to him. And he's just like, yeah, I'm in. Yeah. I, I was, for, for how ridiculous that part is and Sean Bradley, especially – I will say, like, some of the funnier scenes of this movie are, one, when they actually steal the talent and then the players start, you know, going all crazy, like, like they're possessed or whatnot, like shooting terrible shots, all that fun stuff. But then, like, later on when they're trying to figure out uh, what the issues are, those are some funny scenes, too, where, you know, you've got uh, Sir Charles in the church, you know, praying and all the other people talking to their uh, respective medical and... Uh, psych psychiatric uh people like there's some funny scenes there are some funny one-liners there um like the psych doctor uh implying patrick ewing is impotent (laughs) that that comes up later in this as a a real quality dig in the nice children's film (laughs) yeah i love the scene where uh chuck is going to the uh the streets uh I don't know what city it's in, but he goes to play basketball. It's like a group of like teenage girls playing some pickup ball. And Chuck goes to play and just, you know, gets his like shit swatted a few times. I, th- I think it's two total possessions before the girl goes from being in like total awe of Char- Charles to sending and packing with the be gone wannabe line. Um, but that's not what I took away from that scene. What I took away from that scene, when she calls her friends over and points out, hey, it's Charles Barkley. She's not like pointing to like his face 
or uh, like maybe his like the top of his head, something to signify his height. She's literally like pointing at his junk, and I'm like, why are you pointing at his junk to signify? And it wasn't until the most recent rewatch that I noticed this, but she's like, it's Charles Barkley, <laughs> and she like literally is like pointing like directly at his uh, member, um, that, which struck. That, that's what you took away. From that. <laughs> Look, man, I, I, I mean, is that how we identify <laughs> NBA players by you know? What, what they're packing in their pants? Well, I don't know. <laughs> we're, uh, we're 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 t- we're towing a dangerous line of talking about NBA players and young girls on the street. <laughs> but okay, so we've got a lot of we've we've hit on a few of the random scenes, everything uh, leading up to the big game. The one part we haven't hit on too much is the is the Jordan plot line, including the minor league baseball career into the Stan Podolak. I won't say friendship, we'll say relationship, <laughs> and into the, I, I know both of our, uh, one of our favorite parts is the the golf scenes in this film. Um, well, let's hit on the baseball career first. I mean, again, we can't say this is unbelievable because, I mean, this actually did happen. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> if, it, if it hadn't happened, I would definitely have this in the unbelievable category. <laughs> I also love how, like, when Michael's retiring, like, there's like, oh, Mike, what are you going to do now? And he's like, well, I guess I'll just go play, like, professional baseball. Like, I mean, like, that's something, like, you can't just be like, well, I'm going to go do this today. And then they're like, well, what are you going to play? And he's like, well, when I was, like, a six-year-old kid, I was a pitcher, but that might be kind of tough. So I guess I'll just play outfield. Like, like Michael, this is kind of like a, you know, this is a moderately insulting to the, the entire MLB. Yeah. <laughs> just, like, this guy that, like, decides to go do it. And he's like, not only that, but, like, consider taking probably one of the hardest positions possible. And he's just like, oh, I guess I'll just hit. Yeah, that comes back later for me. I'm gonna uh, take out your entire sport, but uh, we'll say <laughs> we'll save that. Um, yeah, his baseball career—it's kind of funny, kind of ridiculous at the same time. Uh, meets meets his boy Stan Podolak, who like for some reason like as if Jordan doesn't have someone who can look out for him, so he he needs like a yes man sent from I think it's like the owner of the baseball team. But in the intro scene, I've got I've got Stan probably paralyzed from falling like on his head <laughs> into the dugout and nobody seems to really care uh which is which is a theme throughout this entire film with stan and getting pretty seriously injured but uh what were, what were your thoughts on his like overall uh role in this film or the, or the stan character if you will uh you know he, he did it for me i, I like stan I'm, I'm gonna be a pro stan guy i think you needed someone just like a little over the top um just, I don't know, someone to kind of just, like, be a little more, going a little above and beyond, like, a little over-deliveries, and let's be honest, Michael Jordan's just, like, a terrible actor. I think you needed someone to kind of, like, counterbalance him a little bit. Um, so, yeah, I liked it. Yeah, yeah, I, I do agree with that. Like, uh, we've got Bill Murray for some awesome comedy, but, yeah, Stan does bring something very unique, and he's he's essentially just, like, the whipping boy of the entire film for, for like, Jordan, for the audience. For the Looney Tunes, like the Looney in Tunes. My, uh, in my fun fact deep dive, I found that apparently they offered it to Michael J. Fox, Jason Alexander, who was the guy from Seinfeld, and uh, Chevy Chase, but they all turned it down. I, I saw that. Chevy Chase is a very interesting call. Uh, I, I mean, Michael J. Fox is kind of like like ridiculous. Like, can you imagine that? <laughs> <laughs> like, like, well, like. Like to go from Michael J. Fox to Newman from Seinfeld is a uh, like where they just like tossing it out to like every actor and just seeing what they got. Yeah, I don't know. That would be. I feel like those films would be like vastly different depending on who's who's playing that role. But I don't know. I think yeah. I think uh, what's his name, Phil uh, or Wayne Knight. I, I think he was a pretty good choice for the role. Um, I don't know. I love Chevy Chase, so I'd have been kind of interested to see his play on that character, but. Um, yeah, the other, the other scene, we, we've talked about this a lot, uh, the golf scene, uh, that's one of the only things like worth hitting on before we dive into some of the categories, but, uh, the golf scene, it, it's, it's MJ golfing with, uh, Larry Bird and Bill Murray. One of the funny things about this is like, there's no context given, which it would just fine. Like we're just meant to assume they're all buddies and stuff, which, you know, it, it it's kind of better that way. Uh, and then Stan Podolak, not, not allowed to golf, obviously, but he's, just like handing Jordan his golf glove and stuff. 
Uh, well, that's kind of a question. Like, Michael clearly just, like, at this point in the movie, like, doesn't like Stan. Like, why did he invite him? He literally just do it just to, like, be his whipping boy. <laughs> kind of like a dick move on Mike. Didn't they? Yeah, didn't? I don't know. I, I feel like the owner had said something like, oh, like, don't leave this site or, I don't know, some BS like that. But, um, yeah, the, the golf scene's incredible. Uh, a lot of funny moments. Uh, I'm going to be hitting on some of my some of my category winners here. But um, I think we both talked about this. So one, this scene kind of reveals, there's a few subtle times in this film where like Jordan makes like a little offhand like like bet comment, which is really funny because the the underlying like conspiracy theory of Jordan's <laughs> career is that when he left uh, basketball, it, like it wasn't by choice. It was something involving like gambling debts and like David Stern kind of pushed him out or whatever. There, you know, there's, there's a lot of rumors that swirl around Jordan's career. Uh, uh, vices, we'll say, and so it's funny that like multiple times in this film, Jordan throws out a like, let's raise the stakes or like, let's make it interesting. But uh, yeah, there's there's some not so subtle uh, overtones tossed in there for sure. Right. Uh, the closest to the pin bet is a little ridiculous. Uh, I think we both have this <laughs> jotted down because I mean, just a really bad bet on Bill Murray's part. Well, yeah, like two of the golfers had hit. Murray hit a decent shot. Larry Birds gets inside of Murray's. And then Jordan throws out the closest to pin bet, which they both agree to, which, again, Murray is, by definition, disqualified unless Jordan hits, like, a <laughs> skull shot that, like, somehow hits Larry Bird's ball off the green. Or, like, like not a good bet on Murray's part. I don't know. He, he probably didn't know where he was at the time. Um, that seems incredible. Jordan gets the hole in the I, um, Yeah, go. I saw that in my fun facts again. They like, Apparently, Michael Jordan, Bill Murray, and Larry Bird like literally go out golfing together for like months before the shoot because they wanted to build up their uh, like their friendship and make it seem more like believable, which is just like some Daniel Day-Lewis-style uh, method acting for Michael Jordan and Larry Bird. Interesting. I, I mean, that's a great way for them to just write off like – Greens fees, I'm sure they just yeah, like exactly. charge those to w, the Warner Bros account. Um, but yeah, that's a great scene. Uh, oh gosh, I don't even want to cover these too much because the fucking Bill Bill Murray lines are just gold in this scene. But uh, yeah, Jordan gets sucked down into the hole. Um, that's sort of the start of the Looney Tunes. Uh, Unbelievably casual by uh, by um, Bill Murray and Larry Bird there. Like, can you imagine how shocking that would be in this situation? It's like you literally just see your friend get pulled into a golf hole, and they're just like, like, Bill Murray's response is just like, uh, what kind of camera is that? <laughs> like, yeah, it's it's incredible. I think that's probably one of my favorite parts of this film. Um, but, yeah, it's good stuff. Um, we'll, we'll hit on that more because in some of the categories it comes back up. But um, – the last thing I forgot, and, and my buddy mentioned this to me, which I'd also seen, a, a little note here. When the, when, the NBA play, <laughs> when the NBA players get their talent taken, I forget what game it is. I think it's when Chuck uh, gets his talent taken away. Um, there's a cameo by Danny Ainge, who's now like the Celtics uh, CEO or GM, whatever. He's a player at the time. There's a cameo where someone passes to him, and it's kind of like just in the background. He, he, like, catches the ball in midair and then, like, shoots it also in midair. It's, like, one of the most ill-advised shots I've ever seen in, like, NBA history. And, like, the shot clock wasn't even expiring. But he, like, does this, like, terrible shot in the background as Chuck is kind of, like, spinning, like, in la-la land. And then as they walk to the bench, Danny Ainge then calls out Chuck, like, gets mad at him when he literally just shot one of the worst. It's it's really funny. People, people who have seen this particular clip will know exactly what i'm talking about uh but if you have it the next time you rewatch it just look for this shot danny ainge takes it's it's a real nugget in the rough there um <laughs> i'll have to go rewatch it again now yeah it's good stuff i don't know other than that like i said a lot of it kind of just digs into once once jordan gets sucked down into looney land uh it's pretty much like the preparation and or the game itself um but yeah, those are a few of the fun things leading up to it. Um, what we'll do, let's take a quick break here, hear from our sponsors. They're growing by the day. Uh, when we pop back, we'll get into some of the categories and we'll start to cover some of the things from the quote-unquote big game itself. 
Uh, we're going to dive into some of the categories right now, and we're going to start with grading the sports scenes. And for this category, again, the major sports scene, we already talked about the baseball a little bit. We already talked about the golf scene a little bit. But mostly what we're talking about here is the, the game between the Monstars and the Looney Tunes. Um, let's do a quick recap of the game. Essentially, what happens, uh, start of the game, the referee goes out the window from the very tip. The Monstars are dominating, uh, you know, throwing elbows left and right, committing what appear to be uh, premeditated homicides on the court, take a huge lead. They're destroying the Looney Tunes at halftime. Go back in the locker room. Jordan gives a nice pep talk. They drink some questionable... Possibly some steroids. Yeah, so a, a nondescript liquid enters the bodies of the Looney Tunes. Uh, Jordan potentially endorses the use of performance-enhancing drugs. Uh, and then they come back, claw their way back in the second half, eventually cutting it to a one-point game with 10 seconds left. Bill Murray makes a heroic entrance, and the rest is uh, history. We'll talk about all that more, but Mikey, what were some of the key stats or uh, key key players or moments from the game here? Well, interestingly enough, um, you can actually go online and find the exact stats from this game. Um, there's a group from the Harvard College Sports Analysis Collective, which is a student-run organization, and they actually went and kind of went through the entire game and ran stats for the for the entire Toon Squad and Monstar lineup. Um, we won't go through all of them, but some of the notable ones, um, Michael Jordan has one of the games of his career going uh, 22 for 22, total of 44 points, uh, 24 of which coming off dunks. Uh, the rest of the team not really pulling their weight. The next highest scorer was Bugs with 10 points um, and Lola with four. Um, in total, the Toon Squad went 39 for 39, had three assists and one steal uh, for a total of 78 points, 56 were by dunks. Um, the Monstars put up relatively similar numbers. They were led by, you know, they never actually say the aliens' names, but uh, you can find them online, I guess, Pound, which is the Charles Barkley Monstar, went 16 for 16 with six steals, um, which was... Um, by Muggsy, who went over O, but had six assists and four steals. Um, no, no shock to anybody. Blanco, who is Sean Bradley's avatar, went O for across the board, not registering a single stat. <laughs> Monstars went total 34 for 35 with six assists, 14 steals, and 77 points, all of which were by dumb. Not a single field goal from the Monstar perspective was hit. Yeah, so it looks like that one missed field goal from the Monstars really came back to haunt in the final score. Uh, and again, going on some of the non-legitimacy, the one missed field goal is when Wiley Coyote detonates several tons of TNT on the hoop, uh, forcing the ball to out of the rim. So, you know, you, you, you tell me if that's a missed shot or not. Yeah, and that's a great lead into to a nice discussion from this game, which which... Again, we, we mentioned the uh, referee, Marvin Marsh, and kind of swallowed his whistle here, but there were a lot of no calls, but there were some that were especially egregious. Uh, I think I think we'd be remiss to not talk about some of them. Um, number one, I think this happened pretty early in the game, but uh, Foghorn and Leghorn being just burnt to a crisp uh, on the court. Um that's and, a, and if I'm not mistaken, we do not see him again. He, he literally, I think, murdered that character. Yeah, that's that's definitely, like, a whistle needs to come out at that point. Um, what were some other no calls? In the second half, Bugs riding a moped down the court with, with ball in hand. Um, that appears to be a travel in, in my book. <laughs> uh, you know. um, how about Elmer Fudd and... Um the other guy i forget but uh literally just shoots the monster in the face yeah it might be daffy yeah i'd say the yeah the use of handguns uh definitely that oh, was no, lovely uh was that a pulp fiction reference uh, for all the young children watching yeah that was a nice nod um later later i think it's in the second half tweety bird actually is like teed up like a golf ball and uh, i think like maybe 
uh, Sly is used as a golf club to then hit Tweety into the crowd again. Probably should have been called somewhere or the other. Uh, last but not least, uh, Daffy. I think at some point he gets like smashed into like a putty, <laughs> and that's when he kind of like pops up and he's hanging on to one of the monsters like faces as he's in La La Land. Uh, but I think the most I mean, agree. Don't forget our boy Stan Podolak, who literally is flattened and then be <laughs> like forcibly uh, inflated. I don't know. I thought that was a good no call. I thought the monsters had position there and Stan Stan was clean. Home. All ball, baby. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but actually, the most egregious of all the non-calls was uh, the Monstars coach slash, like, their boss, uh, Danny DeVito. During a timeout, he makes contact with an official. Marvin the Martian is blowing the whistle, and DeVito kind of slaps him away. Look, that's an automatic ejection to make contact with an official. So I'd say, I'd say that was the uh, <laughs> most heinous non-call in the game. Well, I did see uh, the conspiracy theorists out there on the Internet were saying that Given Marvin the Martian is obviously an alien, he may have had some ties with uh, the Monstars and that there may have been some kind of behind the scenes back alley dealings going on. And that's why not a single foul was called during the game. Ooh, interesting take. Oh, I, I enjoy that. Um, other things from the game. I had uh, one question I had. The Monstars, when they would do their dunks, Many of their dunks would come from like beyond the three point arc. Do you know? Did those count for three points? Like, like I think, you know, in the pure rules of basketball, I think if somebody left the ground beyond the three point line, and even if they dunked, I feel like that should hypothetically be three points. Do you know? Did they count for three? With with the way these stats are looking, I think it would have had to have been counted as twos. Okay, that's disappointing. That's just poor. That's just poor work on the. Uh, the staff for this film not not knowing the proper rules of basketball and that's the other well, thing i don't think that's ever really come up in a real game <laughs> um the other thing is wait let me see so does it have no because it has that the monster shot three pointers yeah yeah no no, no. yeah all does. their points were on dunk i know but if you look at the stat line it says three pointers attempted three pointers made Oh, maybe it, okay. Yeah, maybe. Right. I think they did give them three points for some of those. I don't know. What are we freaking arguing about? All right, that's fair. All right, good. But along those same for lines, for a second, I thought we were going to have a plot hole in this. <laughs> but along those same lines, shouldn't the Stan Podolak, uh, when he's just massacred and belly flopped on by the entire team, I think the ball shoots out of his gut from beyond oh, the three does. point line as well. So and it, uh, and it goes in, which uh, is. Actually, fairly incredible. <laughs> exactly, I think that one should count for three as well. But again, we're you know we're we're nitpicking a little bit here. Um, other moments from the game. Oh, here is a big one. So the whole uh, there, there's a whole big thing where uh, there's ten seconds left after Stan gets um, smushed and then inflated and then deflated. Uh, there's ten seconds and the monsters um, inbound it. There, there's a whole scene where like the Looney Tunes steal blah blah. I went back and timed it. That 10 seconds of gameplay actually took one minute and 10 seconds. Um, so, um, you know, there's a small hole there. Like, uh, there's a lot happening in that final 10 seconds, we'll say. I don't know who was working the clock. If it was a Looney Tunes homer, but something, you know, if I'm something a monster. off on there also, because if you recall, at one point, it just literally shows the monster score just revolutioning going up. They're at like, they should be at like several hundred points and it like goes back and then they're just at like 75. So I don't know. Uh, there's some, some, some shaving went down in the points there. I don't know what happened. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, that was definitely, that was definitely uh, questionable as well. Yeah. It, like the score should not have been as close as it was. Um, here's another interesting, interesting note I have in terms of the Looney Tunes mindset. There's two important things from this game. Number one, before the game starts, so again, we, we've already set the stage that this is the game for the freedom of the Looney Tunes, uh, you know, pretty much the definition of a do or die. Before the game, Jordan's pep talk to them is, let's just go out and have fun. <laughs> like, okay, I get it, like, you want to keep the team loose, but I don't know if that's the message to be sending before this game, especially, again, given what we know about Jordan's uh, competitive nature. But then, secondly... A little better than the halftime, where they literally just say, let's give up. Right, that's exactly where I was going. Like, 
you want to forfeit and uh, guarantee that you like, what are you doing? Like you might as well play the thing out. Like, um, <laughs> yeah, pretty, pretty poor attitude by the Looney Tunes there. Um, yeah, if you're going to go into slavery, you want to get started right away. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. Other than that, uh, again, we'll, we'll hit, we'll hit on some more of the basketball game with some of these other categories, but, uh, anything else specifically takeaways you had? Um, Ooh, I had one more thing, but did you have anything else? Well, the, the, I just said I don't know where else to put it. Uh, the website that talked about the actual stat breakdown and stuff just takes a huge dunk on Sean Bradley here. And I, I would just like to read this line from the website itself. Please. And it just says, Blanco, the Sean Bradley monster, failed to register a single stat throughout the course of the entire game. This means that even in a world where Elmer Fudd has a 40-foot vertical, Bradley's quote-unquote talent can't muster a single shot attempt. This may be the most realistic aspect of the movie. That is just an absolutely savage take on John Bradley, who, as we just previously talked about, had to have been so excited to have been accepted to be a part of this movie. Yeah, uh, it's. I mean, I agree. I, I have nothing else to add. That's you know, per- perfectly. I mean, it's beautiful. Very well said. Um, Oh, my, yeah, my last note from the game was uh, there was a scene, I think it was like right at the start of their second half comeback, where uh, Bugs, I, th- I think it's the same scene where he steals the ball on the moped, and then does, uh, he drives the moped down the court and then does a no-look uh, alley-oop to Jordan. That's a pretty bold move when you're, you know, down 40 and fighting for your freedom, but very reminiscent of J.R. Smith, I think it was in the 2016 NBA Finals. Had a similar no-look alley-oop to LeBron. Uh, again, I think at the time, his team was now 3-1 in the NBA Finals, but leave it to J.R. Smith to have the audacity to be showboating in that scenario similar to Bugs. So that was a nice little nugget there. Um, hey, get, him on, get him on a moped next time, or I'm not impressed. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Uh, let's give out some awards from this game. Um I want to hit on um, man of the match. Again, this is the best in-game performance. What did you have for man of the match in this film? Well, I mean, if you're going to go with it, you got to look at the stats. And clearly it's just Michael putting up 44 points. I mean, the, the Toon Squad's enslaved without him. Um, I don't know if you can give it to anybody else other than... Possibly Bill Murray for coming in off the bench, but I'm going to say he's more of a sixth man. Yeah, uh, I did go another way. Uh, Jordan's the obvious choice. I went with Pound, the Charles Barkley <laughs> monster. Uh, he had 37, six steals, only had one turnover. Um, really smothering defense. He, you know, again, I think I think he was the main. Maybe he wasn't, but you know, n- injured numerous players on the Toon Squad, which which. I mean, you say what you will about the referee, but, you know, he, he adjusted to the flow of the game. And if the refs aren't calling it, you might as well, you know, injure the team. But made all the more impressive, because if I'm not mistaken, about three minutes into the game, he is partially sodomized by a bull on the court. <laughs> nope, that is true. Uh, to be able to continue uh, after something like that really shows a lot of resilience. Exactly. That's That was one of my key things. He played through injury. Uh, yeah, he, he got speared by a bull into, you know, the upper decks, came back, uh, and and later was able to have the presence of mind to climb the basketball hoop and uh, belly flop onto Bugs Bunny. Uh, again, another key injury. But, yeah, I gave my man, man of the match to Pound. I don't know. Jordan was definitely up there for me, but uh, – I went with Pound, with maybe controversial. Drop to our boy Pound. Yeah, <laughs> great game. Um, flip side, Daily Dud. Uh, this is obviously the worst in-game performance. Uh, let me kick this one off, uh, give you some time. I went with Daffy here. Um, Daffy made some pretty key turnovers in this game. One of them, I think he threw it out of bounds to the old lady who was the cheerleader not only was that a terrible turnover it, it resulted in her being what i can only assume is seriously seriously injured uh didn't really accept responsibility afterwards kind of threw out a excuse that like she was open which is kind of absurd uh as we know he was not a fan favorite i, I believe it was daffy uh 
when he was introed into the game, kind of got nothing but crickets from his home crowd. So that, that tells you a lot, a lot about Daffy. Uh, yeah, he just did. I mean, he had a couple buckets, I believe, made a, made a pretty crucial gut check turnover at the end of the game, but not as much of a contributor as I would have liked to see. I don't know. Who would you go with? Vladi Divac uh, for his quick performance. Uh, mostly just for refusing to go into the locker room, um, but he's totally fine with just changing in the middle of the hallway. Um, and I, I went more on just I, I just I didn't know where else to put him, but I thought he needed to be talked about. Yeah, and anytime you, I mean, anytime that Vladi Divac is part of something, and that that line delivery of being visuals of body snatchers, I mean, unbelievable. It is weird not to get on too much of a tangent, but it is weird that the NBA players are so freaked out and like refuse to go in locker rooms. But then they think as long as they don't change in a locker room, that they'll be totally fine. Even though it was pretty clearly documented that the attacks happened on the court during the basketball game. So pretty interesting logic by the NBA players, like taking a stand against locker rooms. But uh, that can travel at speed of light or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know who that is, but that's great. Um, <laughs> what else? I guess uh, this doesn't necessarily have to be specifically from the game, but let's do the sixth man award while we're just cruising through some categories. Sixth man, again, for this, we're looking for a character who came in hot. Um Later in the movie, or maybe someone who's not a main character, but definitely left a, left a lasting impact, who did you give the Sixth Man Award to? I mean, it's got to be Murray. His, his, every scene he's in is amazing, and he literally comes in at the end. Um, doesn't really do much in the actual game other than confuse that they're on defense, which he <laughs> says, whoa, I don't do defense. Um, but yeah, I, he, he is so funny in this. Uh, I got to go Murray. Yeah, I went Murray as well. He was incredible. Uh, his performance in the basketball game is great. His performance uh, in the golf scene is better. Um, he's hilarious in this whole film. And again, you know, we, we talked about Bugs taking the risky uh, no-look alley-oop. Murray, after checking into the game cold, gets the steal and instantly throws a no-look behind-the-back pass with eight seconds left and the fate of the Looney Tunes on the line. So, you know, Murray, you know he's got some stones to make that play in the game. Um, Actually, but, that's a great point. I mean, if you going back to Michael's kind of poor coaching, he literally, like, this is for their freedom, and he just says, all right, what, all right listen to Mike for the plan. And Michael Jordan just goes, someone steal the ball and get it to me. If Murray doesn't come up with that gut, uh, have Daffy gut-check the guy to get the ball, Toon Squad loses. I mean, that's a huge, that's a game-winning play. Yeah, yeah, Murray, Murray came up big. I love the fact that, again, the whole film, Murray's been claiming he, he needs a shot at the NBA, but uh, <laughs> he plays for, as we said, 10 seconds of game time, which equated to 70 seconds of real time, and he instantly has to go ice his knees. He can, like, barely walk after that, <laughs> but somehow he thought... He had an NBA future, so great stuff to Bill Murray. I, honestly, my favorite. I, I, I just don't know where else to put this, but his line, like literally they just see Michael Jordan get like pulled down a golf hole, and like as they're walking back, and Bill Murray just goes, uh, uh, Larry, I'm going to give this both twos there. I don't think we're in any emotional situation to putt. And Larry just goes, yeah, that's fair. Like Their friend might be dead. And, that, and then Bill Murray just, you know, never to miss an opportunity, just goes, you know, with Michael gone, the NBA is going to be looking for going to need new talent from places they may not have looked before. Like it's unbelievable. It's so funny. Yeah, yeah, I was literally going to say, it. yep, that exact thing. That that little sequence of lines there from him is incredible. Uh, and then the very final line he gives when Jordan returns to basketball, and uh, you know Murray finally accepts the fact that he didn't make it, and just throws out the "Let's go Bulls" with like the. It could have been me, Larry. <laughs> yeah, let that go. <laughs> the heinous like voice crack again. It's just it's incredible. I mean, during the filming of this movie, like Bill Murray had to be like forty five or something. Like <laughs> it's just ridiculous that he would have even considered. It's 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 great. Bill Murray's the man. Um, 
so he was my sixth man as well. I had a close, not close, but my, my only other person in consideration was Jim Rome for uh, his little cameo just shredding uh, Jordan's baseball career with uh, the, you know, uh, get this guy a tennis racket, uh, watching Michael, this hurts. Michael, me more than it hurts you. <laughs> yeah, uh, just incredible. Like, which is funny, I'm, it, it's good. Jim Rome's great, great in this film. Did you and, see a, another one of the random fun facts that he uh, – I think it was like 2014. Just like tweeted a picture of like he's still getting like royalty checks for this. Jim Rome is. Yeah, he, he like tweeted this like check that he got. It was for like six dollars. Um, he basically just said like like daddy's got to get paid or something like that was his tweet. It was incredible. Interesting. Interesting. Good for him. Let us get into the next category, which used to be the um, suspended disbelief, but. We change this to the coach's challenge. For this category, we're looking for some unrealistic moments, some plot holes, or overall questions. We hit on a few of these. I mean, this this movie, pretty much this whole film could just be a coach's challenge. But what, what were some we haven't hit on yet that stood out to you? Well, I think, like, just, like, the overt, just, like, everyone just, like, not paying attention to anything that was happening around them. <laughs> I mean, like, in the beginning of the game, uh, the baseball game that Michael's at, they see, they literally see an alien spaceship fly overhead, and everyone's like, what, hmm? Like, what was this? Like, what's this now? And then it just literally, it, like, crashes through the parking lot of a, uh, of, like, a supermarket, and, you know, then, like, later, Michael's, like, watching ESPN. I, I feel like that would be on the news, but instead, he's just getting shit on by Jim Rome. Like, uh, I, I feel like, you know, someone should have noticed that. Like, were, were there any fatalities at this, at this supermarket? Like, what's going on? Um, on top of that, when they're at the basketball game, when the Monstars steal the talent, you got the mom from Everyone Loves Raymond, and she just sees, like, the guy sitting next to her in, like, an overcoat. Like, literally just melts down into, like, a clear pace that goes into, like, she sees this go on, like, like the guy next to her melts and goes onto the court. And then she just, like, kind of, like, jumps up, like, <laughs> what's this? Like, <laughs> just, like, a look of, like, mild annoyance, kind of, like, and she just saw, like, a bug next to her on the floor. Not, like, something extremely not common and not usual. Um, so a, a lot of those just, like, little moments that people just, like, Almost like it's like they knew they were in a movie. Yeah, it was. It's weird. It's hard to even like critique those because it's it's like okay, well, the whole premise of the film is we're like combining uh, cartoon characters and real people. But yeah, it, it was weird that like when moments like that would happen, you could tell that the characters in this reality were like surprised, but not as surprised as they should be. I don't know. It was a really weird thing. Uh, the the only thing the only thing I had noted for the coach's challenge was uh, uh, the Jordan family pet. Uh, it was a bulldog. I think funnily enough, I don't know if it. He says his name's Charles. I guess the dog was named Charles Barkley. Uh, it, you know, pointing fun at Charles Barkley, I guess. But there were two pretty unrealistic dog moments. Number one, the scene where like Jordan comes home from the baseball game and and the dog comes and like tackles him. First of all. I don't think bulldogs can really leave the ground, much less that bulldog like tackles him pretty much at like head level. There's no bulldog that can jump six feet in the air to tackle Jordan. That's just absurd. Secondly, later on the bulldog, when they go to Jordan's house to recover his shorts and shoes and stuff, the bulldog's in another room and then uh, just knocks over a full size door somehow. Like again, I don't know what. Can funny this was though but like like they you know they clearly want to make the bowl just look massive and it looks like this was done on like adobe like photoshop where it's just like it's clearly like a video of a bulldog that they just like stretched out and just like put in like the green screen door frame like it's just so funny yeah, yeah it was unreal. it was kind of like the dog in sandlot that like you're made to think he's literally like the size of a tyrannosaurus rex and then at the end when you actually kind of like see the dog it's just like a moderately large normal dog uh kind of that's the feeling i got with the bulldog in this film but again it's we'll, we'll move on from this category glory because every scene in this film could potentially qualify um 
One of the interesting categories here, so this is one of our favorite categories, the, the sequel, prequel, and spinoff category. We did something a little bit different for this one, mostly because we couldn't think of good spinoffs. But let's just discuss, I mean, there is literally going to be, I don't know if we call it like a spinoff or a sequel. I guess we don't know. Uh, but there is the LeBron version of Space Jam coming out. I think I think it's slated to come out in 2021, uh, which, how are we ever going to wait that long? Um, what do you think? Do you think... Do you think this film is going to be like the same premise and plotline? Do you think like LeBron's kind of going to take it in a different direction? What should we be expecting from from this new version? Is, is this like officially happening? Because oh, I feel like this is all like sequels that's been rumored for the past like thirty years. No, it's happening. In fact, they they pretty recently released because I guess for a while Jordan was having a ton of or uh, LeBron was having a ton of trouble finding like other NBA players to be in it. But they just released the list of NBA players. Like I think, uh, oh, really? yeah, like Damian Lillard's in it. I think Clay Thompson, and then the funny one is Anthony Davis is going to be in it, who was just traded to the Lakers. So there's like a big thing going around that, like Anthony Davis is getting paid a ton of money for this film, essentially, as a way to sort of basically LeBron is like paying Anthony Davis a shit ton of money to be in this film. Uh, as a way to like keep the Lakers under the salary cap, it's it's basically like an incredibly shady little situation. Um, but yeah, it's, it's like officially happening. Um, I don't know. Well, I did they talked to so like right after Space Jam One? Apparently, they wanted to do a sequel like right away, and like they they actually announced that it was going to happen. They said that Jordan was coming back for it. Um, but I guess there's like some miscommunication where some guy who like said he like knew Michael Jordan but like didn't was like oh yeah Michael's in don't worry about it and then like it just turned out like Michael like wasn't interested at all. <laughs> um, but I think they said like the plot of that one was going to be basically some other cartoon alien thing was going to come down and for whatever reason they'd have to play like, another game of basketball. So it's not like kind of uh, you know rehashing the same kind of thing. But I would I would assume it's going to be kind of one of those maybe like sequel slash like reboot type movies you know yeah. where it's like maybe like the same universe but like kind of more just trying to like jump start it again but like we're basically gonna get the same plot yeah i don't really know what else you could do right i mean i'm sure it's a movie i'll definitely see and i'll definitely not enjoy um, i don't know i mean yeah i don't i don't know like how much you can really this movie like shouldn't have worked and the fact that like i still do like really enjoy it it's like you could have made this movie a million times and 999,000 times it's going to be horrible and i you know i I don't think it's one that you know you're going to strike gold twice yeah that's fair and i think honestly my expectations for the new one again if it can be like similar to this first one where it's just like there's some funny one-liners and it's just like you get a few cheap laughs here and there. I, I think that's about the most we can hope for versus it being an actual good film in any way. <laughs> you don't you don't expect to see this on the uh, the best picture contender. Uh, probably not. But who knows? I don't know. LeBron actually was pretty good in uh, Trainwreck. Uh, did you see that movie at all? He he was kind of like a uh, a supporting character in Trainwreck with uh, Bill Hader and that girl I don't like. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Never mind. We'll just let that one sit. Uh, we'll edit that out once we have the money to do so. How this movie would be different in 2019 for politically incorrect moments. We'll cover this. We we pretty much had one main takeaway from this, and it's uh, some of the we'll say adult humor uh, didn't age too well. Um, I know for me, you 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 mentioned the Patrick Ewing uh, like Viagra type line. Uh, for me, the Lola Bunny uh, objectification was pretty pretty overt, and uh, that would be something like in this era that I feel like Warner Bros would really take some heat for. Like just not not just like the fact that she's ogled in the film by the cartoon characters, but also that they you know they have her dressing like very skimpy and all that fun stuff that that you can't do these days. My main takeaway was... They do have a 
feminist role of, you know, when they call her doll and she like basically then just um, runs up the guy's face and, and dunks on him, you know, so she is, she's standing up for herself. Yeah. That was a good moment for, for Lola there. Um, to be honest, the most inappropriate scene probably in this entire film uh, is well, it's another doll scene. It's when Bugs plays her one-on-one. She throws the don't call me doll. And then Bugs gets like a full body erection <laughs> and just goes completely rigid. And what's like clearly meant to represent like, like a boner. There's no other way to really take that. Uh, as a kid, you might not really pick up on that, but that was pretty interesting choice by the, by the uh, producers there. Yeah, I, I don't know if this was meant to be sexual, but I, I, it just sounded like a, a line that wouldn't get away nowadays. When the the tunes are holding their like conference, when they first get challenged, and Daffy just walks in, and his, his line is literally, "It's getting to a guy who can't even get himself wet anymore." <laughs> I mean, I don't know if that's sexual, but it definitely uh, made me so. <laughs> oh my god! Um, I guess I mean I believe he's walking in holding a towel around himself. And he is. Like I said, I don't know if it's sexual, but I, I just think it needed to be mentioned. <laughs> I'm glad you did. I, I don't think it needs to be said. I would never, I would never would say it. I just think it's something we need to all be aware of. Also, uh, <laughs> going on just like what has it, like just what would be different now. Literally, when we talked a little bit about like Michael um, basically endorsing steroids, uh, be like you know they do like the water and they call it Michael's secret stuff. And uh, Daffy, you know, the holding some like moral high ground, just goes like, "This goes against everything I was taught in health class." And Michael literally just goes, "Yo, do you want to win or not?" Like, like uh, that's um, not the best advice for the kids, Mike. Let's hit on. I think we're kind of getting towards the end. Let's let's start to give out some awards for the film overall. Uh, we like to do MVP and LVP again. The difference here is this isn't just for the game specifically, but essentially overall in the film. Uh, we'll start with MVP. Who do you have as the winner of, of this movie? Well, I'd love to give it to Bill Murray just because, again, we've talked how great he is in this, but we've given him enough. Um, so I actually went with the soundtrack. We talked a little about uh, you know that earlier as well, but really just a great soundtrack overall. I believe I can fly, and then, like you said, basically the rest is Josh Jam. Yeah, is this, wait, time out, is this the second straight film your MVP is uh, soundtrack? It is, it is. Um, you know, maybe, I, maybe I'm getting biased or maybe we're just picking movies with phenomenal scores. Yeah, I went with MJ here. Um, obviously, you could say that's the obvious, the easy choice. But I picked him because this was a great career move for him. Uh, really helped with his public image. Um you know, we discussed a little bit his potential shady dealings uh, and, and some of his vices, you know, gambling, some of those things. So this definitely helped with that because, like, when I was a kid, like, my image of MJ was just all the, oh, he's the best, he's the ultimate team player, all that. Um, the film made him appear likable, you know, made him appear like like a good teammate, very motivational. Uh, I'm going ruin this for you because... Uh, in my research, he apparently absolutely hated doing anything um, like public, like publicity-wise for this. Um, I guess like he he was like quoted at one point like they were doing like a press conference, and he just like turned to the director, and uh, I guess he was quoted as saying like, I, "I thought you said that this would be fucking fun." And Michael got like super pissed. Right. No, that's like exactly what I'm saying. Whereas like I think like you know I, I read uh, MJ's biography, and and like I think like now knowing sort of the full picture of Jordan, like obviously still an incredible athlete and, and, you know, probably the best basketball player of all time. But like you realize he wasn't necessarily that like great sparkling image of like the perfect guy that everyone wanted to be. So like, I think this film did a good job of sort of like pulling the, the wool over our eyes a little bit in that regard. Um, maybe not the press tour as much, but yeah, like this was a good look for him. It was a good move. Uh, and it just like helped. I mean, obviously he was already just a ridiculously famous, popular athlete, but you know, this just was one more stepping stone to kind of propel him to be, 
potentially like the most well-known athlete in the world and stuff. So smart move on his end. Good pick. Uh, LVP, who'd you have? So, so this also came in with my deep dive. Uh, I'm going to go with a guy by the name of Chuck Jones, who is the apparent creator of Bugs Bunny and several other Looney Tunes characters, um, who he apparently hated this movie. Um, and he said that there is no way that a character as witty as Bugs Bunny would need any help from an NBA player to defeat the aliens. Um, yeah, uh, come on, Chuck. I mean, that's the most unrealistic part of this movie is the fact that you don't think Bugs Bunny could have outsmarted the aliens. Uh, so the fact that he just like publicly kind of shit on this movie because uh, he didn't think it was realistic enough, I'm going to go LVP for him. And that sounds like some sour grapes to me. Was he like not asked to be like a part of the film or? Uh, it's, it's just a bad look. It's a bad look for my boy Chuck. Yeah. I went with minor league baseball. Uh, we talked about it a little bit, but I mean, pretty much all the baseball scenes in this film make, make the minors out to be essentially like a joke. All the players are kind of just like doing anything they can to brown nose MJ, which like, I'm sure that actually did happen to an extent, but I mean, they're pretty much making a mockery of their profession. Uh, really, there, there seems to be no integrity in the game, as noted by the catcher of the opposing team trying to help Jordan get a hit. Not a good representation of them. That's fair. Um, all right, Mikey, we're getting down to it. We're pretty much to the end. Uh, the last category we usually have is the post-game presser. where we can kind of throw out some hot takes, talk about any lingering questions or anything we still haven't gotten to from this film. I, mean, I think I'd like to get a little background of just where, where are the Looney Tunes now after this? We, I mean, I think we definitely have like a couple, uh, a couple of dead Looney Tunes who we might not be seeing anymore. I think at one point <laughs> we see Tweety Bird and Iron Lung. I still don't think we see Foghorn Leghorn again. Um, so that was one of my questions. I'd like to know, we talked a little bit, but why did Bill Murray agree to a closer to the pin after he'd already lost? Um, why, why did Patrick Ewing's character, uh, basically, you know, they steal his talent. Like, why does that cause him to grow, like, horns out of the back of his spine? Um, you know, I'd like to know a little bit more of, like, yeah, so they stole their talent, but, like, why did that make them so massive and everything? Um and then, yeah, I think those are my, my biggest lingering questions that we haven't kind of, uh, haven't already talked about. Here's, here's one big one I had. Why? Okay, so obviously the whole end, which we, we didn't really talk about the end scene too much, where Jordan, you know, gets, gets the ball, like extends from half court essentially and does this like weird long armed sort of dunk at the buzzer. Why did the Looney Tunes wait until there was 10 seconds left to sort of like share this advice with Jordan that he could sort of like bend the, I mean, you can like kind of pick up on it during the game as all these different ridiculous things are happening. But like, that was one part I never got where, where they're like, oh, Jordan, you can like do whatever you want. And he's like, 10 seconds left. Thanks for telling me. It's like, maybe this would have been good info to go over in the pregame plan. Like, hey, by the way, we can all just contort our bodies in ways that defy physics in order to score baskets. Like, I, you know, what's going on there? Good point. And, uh, and yet Bill Murray still has unbelievably sore knees <laughs> after the game. <laughs> interesting, interesting stuff. How bad is that arthritis? I'd like to know. <laughs> I think I'd like to think Bill Murray's character chose to only operate in the realms of humanity. So making him even more of a hero. Uh, I think my last question is, the the game where Jordan, after winning the basketball game for the Looney Tunes, Stan then transports him or travels back with him on a cartoon spaceship, drops him off just in time for his minor league baseball game. Here's the real question. What do you think Jordan batted in that game? You think he, like, squeaked out, like, a one oh. for four with, like, a sack fly? Or, I mean... Was any of that Michael's secret stuff still in the system is a question? Yeah, that's true, uh, the obliviousness of everybody like a cartoon spaceship just landed on the pitcher's mound and newman walks out and just announces michael jordan and everyone's like oh yeah all right nice like nobody's like what the fuck are you seeing this like, like uh where, where is this on the news and then they just were like oh and michael's going back to the nba which also he probably went over in that game he's probably like, yeah i gotta 
I got to get back. Yeah, I agree. I, I agree. I'm sure, you know, I mean, the, the guy had just like traveled from like a different dimension. He just played a full basketball game. Uh, you know, he, he was in no position to, to complete that baseball game, but, you know, props to him for showing up and, uh, fulfilling his responsibilities to the, uh, AA affiliate of the Chicago White Sox. The proud moment for the White Sox. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty much, I don't know, again, like we could spend hours just asking questions about what the hell is going on at pretty much any given point in this film, but those are some of my main uh, questions I had. Um, Not really but I don't know where else to put this, and I, it's just an unbelievable little story that I found uh, where apparently like Michael would set up uh, pickup games in downtime while filming, um, and there, there's an actor who is an extra on the film. His name was Keith Gibbs, and he, he told he told this in an article, and he said, I would walk in, and it's Reggie Miller, Charles Barkley, Alonzo Mourning, Charles Oakley, Grant Hill would show up, Jerry Stackhouse shows up, and like literally playing in like an NBA like, all-star game every night on like the, on the set. Um, and then it just basically said like that Jordan was just like still like super competitive in these like pickup games that he would set up. He said like at one point he was playing in a game and he's all excited. He's like, I'm literally playing basketball with Michael Jordan. He said Jordan just pulls up and hits a 35-footer on me. I mean, it was ridiculous. Leg out, tongue out, all that stuff. Hit a 35-footer on me and just turns and goes, get the fuck off the court. <laughs> Kicks this extra off the court of a pickup game. This guy's just so excited. Can you imagine this guy's so excited just to get to play in the game with MJ and just get absolutely shit on by him the entire time? Yeah, I would have liked to see some of those scenes in the actual uh, film. I want to see him playing some more hero ball. Uh, just, I want that side of MJ on the Looney Tunes, not the like, come on, team, let's go do it together. Um, again, overall, this movie, like, what do you want from it? it? It does what it sets out to do, which is moderately entertain us, provide some funny moments. And, you know, I think the more time we spent trying to dig into it, the obviously the more we realized it really just falls apart. But at the end of the day, it's an enjoyable watch. And, and definitely, I, I, I still love this movie, especially going back to my childhood and the first few times I saw it and stuff. Yeah, absolutely. The movie that really just on every level shouldn't work, and somehow somehow it did, and somehow it stayed stayed great today. You know, you can watch it as a kid and enjoy it. You can watch it as an adult and enjoy it. Um, and it, yeah, it's it's fantastic movie. I agree. Well, there you have it, folks. That is our deep dive into Space Jam. Uh, thanks for sticking with us. As we said before, um, this is the Varsity Views podcast. Our next episode will be coming at you whenever we tape it. Uh, we are now on like most of the main podcast platforms. So go on to Apple Podcasts, rate us, subscribe us. But uh, until next time, this is Tom Runger and Mike Gassett signing off. Thanks for stopping by and we will see you guys next time.